Hello and welcome to season two of Eventland, a podcast powered by InEvent. This season, we are talking all things event tech in 2022 and beyond. We feature the most futuristic and technologically advanced leaders speaking candidly about their experiences with event tech. Grab a drink, press play and join the conversation. I am Marion Falkman and it's great to have you here. So Diana Warsu is known for working with events ranging from 10 people to 20,000 attendees. And you've been in the industry for 15 years. I mean, that's a very long time. You started off in the hospitality industry and clearly you know a thing or two about creating the ideal attendee experience. I love that. Now you're focusing more on facilitating front of house experience for attendees, uh, emceeing, public speaking, and also providing clients with behind the scenes event consulting and influencer marketing. So that's been quite a journey. So talk to me a little bit about your experience. You started in the year 2000, is that correct? Yeah, uh, so I started on the restaurants and food side uh, of hospitality uh, back in high school, and uh, I've been in hospitality and event-related roles ever since. So yeah, it's kind of crazy to think 20 plus years. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I, you know, for a career. Uh, That was just like my first job in high school, and I wanted to, uh, you know, have some spending money and go out with my friends, Um, fast forward to college and um, some of the extracurriculars that I was involved with uh, from my sorority. um, I was a part of a gospel choir and a few other organizations. I ended up volunteering um, on uh, the boards of these organizations and my duties involved event planning. So that's kind of how I got into it. Um, I was coordinating, I coordinated a talent show one year for our, our gospel choir to raise money. Um, For our sorority, we had a male pageant um, and we gave away a scholarship to the pageant winner. And, you know, that was my first foray into event planning. And so that's kind of what started it all. And I've been in events and hospitality ever since. So that's crazy. So speaking about that, it was like a college thing. You just try to make extra Mm -hmm. cash. But what made you stay in that particular career? I just realized that it, it... it fits my personality really well. So I've always been a people person and that's Mm -hmm. probably one of my favorite parts of events and hospitality is the interaction with the guests, that um, gathering of people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times hospitality and event professionals, we are supporting people during milestones of their lives. We are supporting people through transitions, um, career peaks and valleys and things of that nature. So the people aspect is a big part of it, Um, but also just the experiences that we create. Um, We create lasting memories. We create um, connection points, opportunities for people to meet others and create relationships that last for a lifetime. And so it really just lends to that part of my personality in terms of connecting people um, to places and things and just leaving a lasting impact. Oh, I love that. That's really beautiful. And I love how you were talking about, you know, creating memories and experiences. And I think that's, that's a beautiful thing about being in the events industry, but there's also a flip side because it must be really stressful, right? <laughs> well, it's funny because the favorite, my favorite part of events is the people and probably the most stressful part of events is the people. So uh, it's just, you know, it comes with the territory. 
exactly. It's a double-edged sword, perfect way to describe it. Um, yeah, and and I find too, um, I think especially over this last two years, as a lot of us in the industry have had to reframe what it means to be an event professional and mm. rethink what, you know, what it's going to look like, you know, five to 10 years from now. Yes, the, the role comes with a lot of stress. And I think it's kind of, you know, we hang our hat on the fact that uh, we've got one of the top stressful jobs behind, you know, emergency responders, pilots, all those things. But how much of that is self-created? How much of that is internal Ooh. pressure to to create a perfect experience? How much of that is not being able to enact boundaries and things of that nature? So I think with the huge transformation that has happened in our industry and how the careers are looking different, the um uh, job expectations look different. I think the onus is on us as professionals to redefine what stress looks like for us and not let it be kind of an expectation of what comes with events. Obviously, you know, we all know the days and weeks up to an event, it's a lot of work. It's, you know, that comes with the territory. When you go yeah. on site and you're working 10, 12 hour days, that comes with the territory. And, you know, I posted a, a meme yesterday about the Super Bowl and the event professionals that worked on it. I'm sure that they are passed out like Mary J. Blige was at the concert because you're exhausted. You know, it's a very physical thing. So I get that. But yeah. let's make sure that we are filtering out the unnecessary stress, the unnecessary burdens and expectations that aren't a requirement of the job. We just have been used to um, accepting it for all these years. Mm, that's a very good point. And yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what event planners at the Super Bowl look like. I mean, <laughs> that it's a huge responsibility and everybody's watching. All eyes are on you in that moment. So crazy, crazy expectations. No pressure at all. <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> exactly. So in your experience, mm. do you find that, just bringing it back to technology, do you find that technology has made it easier or more challenging for you to create memorable events? I'll say this. I feel like it's made it easier, but it has not made it simpler because easy and simple are not the same thing. Mm. Um, I think it's added a layer of complexity. It's mm. given us options. Um, mm. We have the ability to reach people globally now mm. with events. We have the ability to scale events in ways that we can't do in, in person. You know, venues physically have capacity limits. That is what it is. And when you're talking about a virtual uh, event, your capacity limit is whatever server is hosting that platform, right? Um, yeah. So... I think from that standpoint, it's really expanded the bounds of what an event can be and what it can look like. Uh, but it's definitely come, added some complexities. Um, uh, again, I just posted something recently talking about, you know, when you're talking to your virtual event tech providers and they're giving you specs and it's like, it's like another language, right? It's, yeah. it's another skill set that we're learning. Yeah. A lot of us have essentially kind of learned how to be TV broadcasters and TV producers um, in terms of when we're producing virtual events. So I think it's made, made our jobs easier from the standpoint of we have more options to select from. But, you know, as you mentioned before, sometimes that's a double-edged sword because now there's more choices, more decisions to be made, more um you know, if you pick one platform, you can also add on five, six, seven other uh, other uh, complementary partners and services that can can add to that platform. So, 
yeah, it's 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 made things easier, but definitely not simpler. Mm, that's a really good distinction, actually, <laughs> because we we were expecting simpler with technology, right? Simplifying right. things, you know, artificial intelligence just making things mm-hmm. smooth sailing, but actually, that's not the reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in terms of you attending events, have you ever been to an event that was poorly executed where you just felt like? this was a fail and what was it that made it fail in your opinion? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm going to be honest. Part of me just kind of wants to shy away from this question because far be it for me to poo poo another event planner and like their work because it's hard. Um, and I feel like we are the worst critics when we go to, when I go to industry events, I, you know, I've got my notepad and I am like taking mm. notes of all the things that I would do differently. So part of me is oh, like, wow. Oh, I don't know that I've, I want to like put another event planner on blast, but I will say from like a conceptual standpoint, what I see a lot that it's kind of like a pet peeve to me is hiring a celebrity speaker for the sake of having a celebrity. Um, I think there can be value in celebrity speakers, but it really depends on two things. What is the message that they're bringing to your group? Um, Some celebrities are actually really good speakers and others are not at all. Um, so that's why you see so many of these fireside chats because they're not good public speakers. They need it to be a conversation so that they can be put at ease and it's an easier format for them, but are they actually delivering value to your audience? Um, I went to an industry event a few years back and I can't remember who the celebrity speaker was. I think they had two or three, I'm not going to lie, but they also had, um, on like a side stage, one of the breakout sessions, if you will, they had the two event producers from um, uh, Fire Festival. And this was like the year after those documentaries came out on Hulu and Netflix. So it was like still a really uh, trendy topic talking about this, this yeah. festival that gone wrong. And I just thought it was such a missed opportunity because that breakout uh, session was standing room only. It was packed. It was a great conversation because it really was just, uh, it was like a moderated panel, but then probably halfway through the session, they just took questions from the audience. And so you got a bunch of event planners asking these event producers who are now infamous for this, you know, globally yeah. recognized fail, but they should have been main stage speakers because yes, they had some celebrity panache, but they also had, you know, a message to deliver to our audience and the audience was mm. soaking it up with the biscuit. And so mm. I think celebrities are great, but is it a celebrity just for the sake of having a big name or because this person has a powerful message, they're, they have a really good delivery style and what they are going to cover is a message that this group needs to hear. So that yeah. would be, I would say my general kind of miss that I see sometimes at events. Mm. And that's a really good point and something I, I didn't think about actually, but there's, I think this happens a lot and you see it in different like channels of like media as well, where people just, I mean, I just think about a certain movie I watched not too long ago and I always move away, I shy away from like star-studded, costed movies because if it, if there's too many big names in a movie, it just feels like there's 
it's a hot mess and they just try to sell tickets, you know? <laughs> and you, you'll find, I find with those types of movies, it's really hit or miss. They either are amazing mm. and they work mm. out really well, or it's just, yeah. it's too many, like I said, too many big personalities and names and yeah. they don't have any chemistry. It doesn't fit exactly. with the actual script and, and the vision that the producer has. Absolutely. And that's the thing Like with, with, with things like this, it's good to talk about it because it, there's a lot of chances or opportunities for us to learn from these things. And especially, like you said, you go into events with your notepad, just kind of looking at things and how you would do things differently. And I think that's the eye we need to kind of go into things with is that just realizing that there's a learning opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just based on that, what has been your most challenging event to plan? And what was the big challenge? Um, I am actually kind of, I would say, facing that right now. Um, I've got a client uh, that I'm subcontracting with, and um, they have um, an international sales meeting. And so part of it is just the COVID challenges. I'm not going to lie, of trying to bring forward a First, it was in-person, then it was uh, somewhat hybrid, and then now it's completely virtual. Um, but I think the bigger challenge um, than COVID, and I think a lot of event professionals can probably uh, resonate with this, is the stakeholders and senior leadership and people that are involved changing their mind and making decisions that affect the event production process and not necessarily recognizing that right so just kind of making fly-by-night decisions that they think really only impacts them but it really impacts the event and the production quality and and having to scramble and respond to those things so mm-hmm. it can be challenging um when you know you've already got the complications of covid at your you know that you're Uh, organizing with. We're learning this new environment of hybrid and virtual. And honestly, just trying to stay up to date with all that's available, that would be a full-time job. It's impossible as event professionals to really have a pulse on everything at your, at your fingertips, if you're working full-time. And so trying to make sure that what we're providing is still um, relevant and is kind of cutting edge Mm-hmm. but also kind of being thrown those little wrenches along the way. It is um, definitely stressful. So I, I know other event professionals can probably resonate with that um, of trying to plan and um, maybe some stakeholders being being a, a thorn in your side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. And also like those stakeholders, they don't really understand like the logistics and like how you go about to put these events together. So that must be a huge challenge. I mean, especially in this moment when you're even figuring it out, you know, like when things are changing all the time. So how do you communicate that to people? How do you kind of make them understand like this is a moment of transition and like we're all kind of figuring it out? If someone has the answer to that, I think they've got a million dollar uh, product or service on their hands because I think that's the age old challenge that we're all facing right now. I mean, even pre pandemic, pre a lot of the flight to virtual event professionals were struggling to get a seat at the table to get 
recognized for the strategic value that meetings and events have to the overall business mission and objectives. And so now we're thrown into this position where we're scrambling, we're learning new technology. Um, we start to start planning stuff that's in-person or hybrid and either the local uh uh, laws are changing daily, weekly, you know, hourly. Um, our company or our organization, or our stakeholders are changing their minds in terms of what they feel comfortable hosting an event in and what um, circumstances and environment. And so, you know, getting getting the ability to get in front of the powers that be and not just um, advocating for like the logistical pieces of this is why we organize things the way we do, but also hey, let's take a step back. What is the mission and goal of this experience we're hosting? How does it tie to the business objectives? And if that's the end goal that you want, I need you to empower me, one, to make some decisions without forwarding them up to, you know, through the, the food chain, but then two, empower me, you know, trust that I am the subject matter expert. You know, uh, you hire an accountant because they know numbers really well. You hire a marketer because they know how to generate demand. Well, you hire an event professional because I know how to make the experience for your attendees based on your objectives and goals. And if you don't trust me as a subject matter expert, then what what's really is is the end goal here? You know, that's what you've hired me to do in essence. So. Yeah, it's a struggle. Um, and I think it's an ongoing one for all of us in the industry to not only you know, get um, some respect for the experiences, but also how they fit into the greater ecosystem of the business and getting that seat at the table with those senior leaders. It's it's an ongoing struggle. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. I'm, I bet that must be a really complicated part of your journey in you know creating mm -hmm. events. So good luck. And I'm pretty sure you, you have that one in the bag because I think communication <laughs> is at the center of that one and you have a way of of expressing in a in a very respectful way so i think that might also help you do you think soft skills kind of helps to soften the blow of these these hard conversations yeah i think the the two skills that like moving forward we really need to harness is um the ability to like you said hard conversations but also kind of sales like selling mm. concepts, selling ideas, um, getting buy-in to um, your thoughts on how things should, should be in terms of your events, your experiences. If you are leading a team um, and you need resources for that team, how do you pitch that to your senior leaders? How do you uh, get them to open the purse strings for your event and expand the budget? So I think some of us can learn a bit from um, sales professionals in terms of how to um, go after the things that we need, both within our career, but just in the day-to-day -day of doing our job, like advocating for ourselves, advocating for our events, um, and going for the ask. So I think that's mm -hmm. kind of one soft skill, I would say, that's uh, really necessary. Um, but, but I think uh, the, the other thing is that bounce back um, kind of resiliency, uh, especially, I think we've all tested that muscle a lot over the past two years. Yeah. Um, but just even like in, during an event, uh, I feel like we've all been really good at it in person previously. Everyone knows that event professionals, when you're on site an event, 
a large part of what you're doing on site is like putting out little fires as they arise. Like that's your role on site. Um, you know, you're, you've already executed the plan at this point. It's just making sure things happen on site. You're there to rectify anything and, and point people in the right direction. Um, but I think some of that's gotten lost along the way over the past, you know, over the shift to virtual, uh, because people are using new skill sets, they're using new tools and technology, and they are overwhelmed. And so sometimes it's just a matter of in that moment, taking a breath, taking a beat, calming yourself down, um, keeping it in perspective that we're not curing cancer. These are just yeah. events at the end of the day. Um, and just, you know, do your best, you know, kind of, we were talking earlier about like that self-imposed stress and the self-imposed mm. stress due to like perfectionism. I think everyone has a lot of, of a, a uh, bit of grace that they yield to virtual events. There's so much outside of your control. There's the servers, there's the hosting platform, there's, you know, the speakers who are all coming in from their individual homes. You know, I, I was running an event where uh, the speaker was um, in his office and apparently that day the cable and internet provider was rerouting all the cables in that network and they hadn't let any of their, their clients know. So they cut a cable while he was in the mid of a speech. These are things that are out of your control. And so I think we have to be better about, you know, bouncing back from these like little, in the grand scheme of things, they're little. During a virtual event, they feel huge and they yeah. feel like your world is ending, but, you know, yeah. keep it in perspective and be able to bounce back from these, these small, you know, missteps and mishaps that happen. It's life. Yeah. That is life, exactly. And I think that's such a beautiful note to just kind of like understand that things go wrong, you know, and there's some things that are just not in your control, unfortunately. How do you handle that in, in that situation? You said like take a beat, take a breath, but then also you do have stakeholders on the other side going like, what, what are you doing about it? How do you kind of handle that high pressure situation? Um, delegation. And um, one thing at a time. So again, what I see in these scenarios is um, because it's a high stress situation, people spiral and yeah. they kind of are like going here, there. Okay, well, what about this? Hey, you work on this. You work on this. You work on this. You work on this. And then if you, everyone has really clear, um, I really love to make sure that for virtual events, everyone has very clear delineated roles. So event planner A, you're involved with the chat. Event planner B, you're going to be the speaker reminder. Event planner C, yes. you're sharing slides. And so if everyone has really clear roles, when those fires arise, you are going to be responsible for your role. So if something mm. happens with the speaker that was presenting, event planner B, who was sharing slides, you're going to throw up the emergency management slide um, so people know that we're rectifying the situation. Event planner A, you're going to put a message in the chat to let people know that, hey, we're working on rectifying the internet. We'll be back in just a second. Event planner B, you're going to call our backup speaker. You know what I'm saying? If everyone has really clear roles, when those fires happen, you just focus on your piece of the puzzle. Mm. Um, and, and you kind of have to like repeat, stay in your lane. Like don't, don't cross over to other people's lanes because what happens is it just creates confusion and chaos. Mm. So just focus on your small little piece. Um, 
And, and from that standpoint, it makes it much more manageable in the moment to only like, um, I remember uh, we had an event and we had, uh, we were going over on time. So we were trying to rework the agenda, like as the events running live. And so during a break, we were like updating the agenda. We're updating the run of show. We're, we're messaging the speaker or messaging the MC. And I actually had to turn off um, kind of, we use like an intercom system to like communicate with each other. I turned it off because I needed to focus yeah. on sending these communications. I needed to focus on changing the agenda and the run of show. And so sometimes you have to drown out the noise, focus on that one little task. Um, and, and then you can actually see progress, but in the moment you can be so overwhelmed. And if everyone's talking, it's really easy for things to spiral. Mm, really good points. I love that. And how do you think technology will change event planning in the future? Um, it'll be interesting. I think right now we're still in a place where people are in survival mode. Um, so I know that we've got, you know, NFTs and the metaverse and all that coming down the pipeline. But to be honest, to be frank, a lot of people are just there still kind of drowning and just trying to keep their head above water. So no one's really looking into that stuff. Let's just, it is what it is. But I think moving forward, what I see um, is it being a, a way to foster community, to um, create some intimacy. So when I look at, um, like, for example, uh, these com- these texting apps like Community or um, its competitors, where essentially celebrities will use it to text their fans. To me, I see that kind of coming over to events because it's not just about that conference that you hold annually for your audience, but like, how are you conversing with them every other 360 days of the year? So that's what I see more of is is us leaning on technology to keep conversations going because there is such a push for community now with events. Um, I think that's kind of what I see in the very near term. And then, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, events could look completely different than they do today. So who really knows? (laughs) Very, very true. I mean, even how we went virtual and hybrid in this moment, I don't think it was expected to happen so quickly. And, you know, the industry has just adjusted in a big way in a very short period of time. Everyone panicked, but kind of made it work. And now we're here in this moment. So who knows what's to come. (laughs) Yeah, I love when people uh, make great predictions. It's like, do you have a mirror ball that I don't have access to? Because it's it's the wild, wild west out there these days. Absolutely. And it's just (laughs) become so evident in the past few years where everything was just flipped upside down and we're kind of like, okay, what I thought I knew is not true. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you stay up to date with some of the new trends that's happening in technology and how they impact events and event planning? Well, as I mentioned, I feel like there's so much happening so often, so quickly that it's really hard to keep on the pulse as it's happening. Um, But I really lean on social media um, I love LinkedIn um, because it's just a great platform from a, if you're an event professional to find other event professionals, but not just us. I mean, I, I don't think we should live our lives in a silo and um, like an echo chamber where we're not, you know, crossing over with other disciplines and other people. I learned from a lot of people on LinkedIn. I follow accountants. I follow marketers. I follow um 
you know, business leaders, entrepreneurs, I follow public speakers. And so there is beauty in that kind of exchange with people across disciplines and, and, and work that's different than yours. Um, mm. And, and a lot of times what I'll see is, you know, someone, like I said, I might be following an accountant or someone who is a CPA and they will share some kind of concept about business and I will see a parallel or a lesson mm. learned that I can apply to events. And it's not even necessarily from an event professional. Yes. They might not even be talking about technology, but that's going to spark an idea that I can create with my event content or the delivery method of how we're um, distributing it to um, our audience, if you will. So that's what I really lean on is social media to, just to like see what people are talking about, how people are experiencing life. Um, because yeah. I think a lot of times we get we get so mired in the tools and their capabilities, but how are people going to interact with this piece of equipment and how is it going to benefit them? What is the um, purpose that they are, are using it for? Um, so I think just understanding people and their motivations and again, like how we are transforming as a, as a society is going to yeah. be more telling for, okay, what tools should I be uh, investing in what tools should we be bringing into our events because this is going to be impactful in that manner. Mm, beautiful, I love that. And are there any new technologies that you're currently keeping your eye on in 2022? I love the idea of uh, aug augmented reality AR. Um, I don't have any like Oculus or any of the tools yet, but I think it's an easy add-on for events. I um, was not able to use the QR code for the Super Bowl on Sunday, but I do know that they had some type of augmented reality experience and a lot of people loved it and were raving about it. So I think that's going to be kind of like the you know, six to 12 months, we're going to be seeing a lot more of it, especially as people are going back in person more. Um, and eventually as event budgets increase, they haven't really yet, but when we get there, I think we'll see um, a lot more of the AR uh, in our events in the coming months. Nice. And just on your point of event budgets, actually, I just want to ask you one last question. How do you manage to create engaging brand content when you're on a budget? Ooh, um, I think less is more, especially mm. if you think about like the intimacy that can be created with small events. Um, a lot of times you've got this small budget and especially if it's an event for lead gen purposes, you want to get as many people in there as possible. And what ends up happening is because you're focused so much on volume and you've got to stretch those budget dollars over all these heads, you end up creating a really cheap plastic event. It's the same thing with swag. Mm. So if you've got a hundred people at an event and your swag budget is $5,000, well, great. You have $50 per person. You can get them mm. some nice um, you know, giveaways. But if you've got that same $5,000 for a thousand attendees, now you've got a $5 per person budget and it's going to be those tchotchkes that they're going to give to their kids when they get home. <laughs> so you can use that same, you can use that same line of thinking with virtual um, because yes, the platform is like a fixed fee. Some of them are per head. I, you know, I know every, every platform is different with their pricing structure, but if your budget is X amount of dollars and you're using it on a smaller audience, one, 
your staff can be more one-to-one and more intimate with your attendees, but two, like you can be a little more, more VIP. You can enhance it a little bit more for your attendees. So I think if your budget is small, just have a smaller event. Like it's just, it's that simple. (laughs) Yeah. I love that because sometimes we overlook those simple answers and we're looking for something really complicated, but actually it Mm -hmm. is just that simple. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Deanna. It was amazing to have this conversation with you and your insight was incredible. I think people are really going to value some of the points and the tips that you gave us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun and uh, I can't wait to hear about any conversations that occur as a result. Perfect. And before you leave us, do you have any social handles that you want to share with us so we can kind of just keep up with what you're doing and where you're at? Yeah, I have a million. I'm all over the place. So I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, my first and last name, Deanna Wosu. On Instagram, I'm Deanna Camille 20. Um, and I also have a podcast. It's the Experience Junkies Podcast. So you can find it online at experiencejunkiespod.com or Experience Junkies Pod on Instagram and LinkedIn. Perfect. Thank you so much. I hope you have a fantastic day and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Eventland, a podcast by InEvent. If you're interested in joining our global community for event props, use hashtag Eventland to find us on social media. Until next time.